Okay, uh, sports fans, welcome back to the first uh, TMG podcast of the ninth, the 2019 football season. We're very excited to be back. A lot of news. First, some uh, housekeeping and uh, updates. Uh, we're happy to have APBAGames.com back as our sponsor this year. John Herson uh, has, uh, has agreed to re-up with us, and that's great. APBAGames.com. Yeah, the unchallenged king of quality sports strategy games. And uh, go to the website. You'll find out what it's all about. Also excited to be recording this year in a, a professional atmosphere, unlike anything we, we've ever done before. Yeah, we, we are at Revelation Recordings in Chino. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool spot. Um, an intimate, full-service music recording studio serving the Inland Empire. And why is this special? If you uh, want to record something, audio, rock band, uh, church group, uh, anything, and you don't want to go into L.A. and pay five times the price and get the same professional quality, uh, this place is like freeway close. And I mean right off the 60, uh, 71 freeway. And uh, so, you know, if you're interested in doing that, go to... uh, at RevRecChino is their Twitter handle. And I think, and the other... Uh, handle their their website is a gmail account and it says here contact.revelation.recordings at gmail is that correct okay anyway uh now that we got that out of the way welcome to our cast of characters tmg crew is out there somewhere tony barnhart is not with us he's out um on assignment somewhere in the in the heart of dixie um tom lucci is joining us from the boardwalk somewhere on an undisclosed beach location. Tom, welcome you there. Yes, I'm still here. I apologize for the uh, the cool ocean breeze that you may hear in the background. <laughs> okay. Herb Gould, you're reporting from, uh, are, you, are you at home headquarters in downtown Chicago, Herbie? No, actually, I'm up in uh, beautiful Door County here uh, among the cheese heads, uh, enjoying the uh, cool breezes from uh, the Great Lakes. Absolutely. Oh, this is marvelous. Is anybody not on vacation? Mark, are you? Or, well, you're. Oh, this Good old situate. No hurricanes on the horizon, so that's good news. Well, situate is, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a permanent vacation spot in the eyes of many. Absolutely. There you go. Uh, and uh, I am and I'm in beautiful downtown, not downtown Chino, but I'm in am in Chino. Uh, really, you know, the garden of the Inland Empire, as we like to call it. All right, lots to talk about, and we can't get to everything today, obviously. Uh, but what I want to do um, is sort of, you know, introduce the season. Um, and I, I think it's exciting that we have Tom Lucci uh, with us today because this is the 150th anniversary of college football. And who better to, to ring in the celebration uh, than a Rutgers graduate and apologist, and not a you know, many would would call ooh, him. <laughs> now, actually, he's he's one, he's one always been one of my favorite writers. He covered Rutgers for many years, Rutgers football. But Tom Rutgers played the first uh, college football game uh, ever, uh, allegedly against Princeton, eighteen sixty nine, November sixth or ninth, something like that. And uh, six, yeah, six. 
what do you remember about uh, what do you remember about attending that game? What was what was the weather? I just like? remember it wasn't very exciting. Six four. It, it sounds like an old uh, Iowa Penn State game um, <laughs> that came up a couple of about a hundred years later. Um, you know, actually, the funny thing was it wasn't until I want to say about ten twelve years ago that Rutgers actually embraced uh, the fact that it's the birthplace of college football because prior to that. They have a, uh, an old gym on um, on College Avenue, right in the middle of downtown Brun- New Brunswick, and there's just a single plaque there that says, "On this site was the is the site of the first college football game ever played." And as I said, prior to the past ten or twelve years, Rutgers just kind of accepted that and never fully embraced it or, or really amplified it. And they have in the past ten or twelve years, and you see it now in the stadium and the end zones and. They're having special 150-year uh, anniversary celebrations this year, so uh, it's nice to see that they, you know, embrace that that kind of history. I just, I, you know, that was my first real criticism of Rutgers after that game because they went for the rematch against Princeton and lost, and they could have been national champions by themselves had they not played Princeton <laughs> and lost the second game. So uh, that started the whole uh, relationship between me and Rutgers, but. Uh, no, I, I, like I said, I think it's a lot of fun, and, and they're doing a lot of good things. Will there be any sort of a, a commemoration on the actual anniversary of that, uh, you know, at the school, or is, is that about it? Yeah, no, there will be. They're, 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 they have some special things planned. And, uh, I think they're hoping for ESPN College Game Day to be there, even though the actual date isn't on a Saturday. Right, right. Obviously, it's, it's impossible for them to play uh, Princeton anymore. Even if, as good as Princeton was last year, I think Princeton was, was unbeaten in the Ivy League. Uh, there's just a talent gap, believe it or not. It's just ridiculous, and, and somebody would get hurt on Princeton's side. I, I fear uh, we can't have our future leaders, you know, walking around with limps. So, uh, yeah, but they have a they have a bunch of celebrations planned and, and commemorations, and I, I think it uh, it'll basically be uh, about a five week long deal for them. So right. they'll have a lot of stuff going on. I want to Herb. Uh, I want to address this, and we'll talk a little bit about the 150. Uh, what it, you know, what what does it mean? And, and you kind of cover one of the, I don't, is the Big Ten the one of the oldest leagues? I don't know if it is the oldest league, but it certainly has deep roots. Um, uh, are we making you know the one fifty celebration? Is that just a number, or what? You know, what do you feel about this? No, I, I think that it's you know it's something that we've seen a lot of in the off season, which is which is great. I mean, it's uh, you know the Big Ten I think goes back to eighteen ninety. Six and uh, you know it can't count. It has fourteen teams, but um, you know it. It is an important watershed because this is what you know. College football for the longest time was the premier football. You know until the really the NFL. I'm, I'm trying to think came around in the twenties, but it wasn't really didn't overtake college football in interest until after that for a while. But yeah, I mean, this is uh, a pretty big anniversary. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was sort of, although it was played all over the country, it still was sort of a regional uh, event for for many years. In fact, Michigan's fight song, you know, hails Michigan as the champions of the West. You know, if if Ann Arbor is in the West, uh, you know, I've always thought they maybe should, uh, you know, uh, change that lyrics a little bit. Or what does that mean? Am I misreading that? Well, you know, the other part of it is that when the Big Ten started, it was known as the Western Conference <laughs> because, you know, the, the Ivy, I think the Ivy League, I don't know, maybe Lutz would know, but I, I got to think the Ivy League was the first 
uh, league in America, but the big, you know, the Big Ten or the Western Conference, as it was originally known, was probably the you know the second big league. Um, and you know, because there was nothing, uh, you know, with all due respect, I mean, the, the, as bad as the the Pac-12 is struggling these days, it was even worse back then. Well, and yeah. um, you know, when when uh, Michigan or Chicago, University of Chicago, was a, a powerhouse in the 1890s and early 1900s, when they wanted to schedule a big barometer game, they would often uh, look for an Ivy League opponent. Of course, yeah. People people don't realize that, but you know, Harvard and Yale uh, these were the uh, these were powerhouse schools. Uh, uh, even in the out in the West, schools like St. Mary's, uh, these Catholic schools, uh, uh, University of San Francisco, Santa Clara these were major powers, kind of little Notre Dame's out here in the West for many years until they dropped football. But uh, let's bring Jersey guy Mark Blouchin in. Uh, I, the 150 anniversary, and I want to ask you from this perspective, kind of what was, and you wrote some uh, about this in the off season, but sort of what, you know, what what happened to Big the football? We talk about football in the East, but um, Big East football, and I don't mean Big East conference. I mean big football in the East, the North Northeast quadrant. Uh, at at the 150 year mark is dying dormant or some say dead which seems amazing to me and but you kind of chronicled what happened uh you know with with now you have Yukon uh you know leaving a conference and going independent um but really it was Penn State right i mean can we can we Penn State yeah, was Penn State's move to the Big 10 when the Big East had a chance uh, when the, the new Big East basketball conference had a chance to get them expand into into a basketball conference as well and Penn State was the linchpin to that, to, to that to that success. Although they they did pretty well, they got Miami as, as a anchor at Penn State. But they turned down Penn State. But if Penn State had been part of the Big East, then the whole structure of college football in the last twenty five years would have been changed dramatically. Yeah, I, I think the ACC would look a lot would look a lot different. The Big Twelve probably would look different, and, and and the Big Ten certainly would look different. So I think that's that's the key thing. Is Penn State and the former commissioner Mike Trangisi. He was talking to Jim Delaney about that uh, over the summer, and they, they said that, that that move was a pivotal move in, in, in college football in the last 25 years. Yeah, um, and it is amazing how that, uh, you know, and, you know, and Tom, uh, Rutgers really hasn't helped the cause, uh, you know, uh, has perennially struggled. Uh, other schools, uh, who's dropping the ball? I mean, UConn had a, a good run a little bit. They went to a Fiesta Bowl, had a couple good years. Boston College obviously has had, uh, but you're right. The loss of Penn State and not being able to form a kind of a, a union, uh, you know, really, you know, is, is it, we are where we are. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the state of college football now. And my goodness, has it changed since 1869? It, it's changed since 1982, and uh, it's changed uh, 10 years ago. But the state of college football. I got to tell you, I, you know, I don't, what's, what's going on right now is, is, is pretty scary to me. I think the model is basically, you know, unraveled and is, is dead in the water and the NCAA doesn't know it yet. Lawsuits filed, uh, the, the, uh, deconstruction of the, the amateur model. And it's like, they're trying to preserve something that is dead 
and is going to die. They're, they're trying to hold on to the, the last, uh, you know, vestiges of, of what was. Uh, Herb Gould, the model today, what, what are we looking at? This was not, I'm certainly not what Teddy Roosevelt envisioned, uh, you know, a hundred so years ago. What are we looking at? You know, I, I still believe that the, the, the evolutionary process, we're going to end up at 64 teams in four leagues. And I know people are doubting that scenario, but it makes, it makes good sense. And, you know, from a financial standpoint, uh, and that, frankly, is what always seems to determine these things. Uh, you know, the NCAA, as you pointed out, I mean, it's very hard for them to keep riding herd over this because there's so many issues that are popping up that just really are, are not addressable. And then you've got this, you know, this world of college football that has and have not. And I, I just think at some point the NCAA just gets reorganized and the haves get together and the have-nots will have to figure it out. Um, you know, and if they adjust, there's no reason they can't, you know, have a a, a, a successful future. But it's just it's just not going to be the same. You know, it's like major leagues and minor leagues, and that gap keeps growing. Well, here's here's everything. And I'll bring Tom Lucci in on this, but here's everything you need to know about the capitulation of the NCAA. Las Vegas for a hundred years was the Sodom and Gomorrah of the NCAA. No one was allowed to step foot there. Uh, no NCAA events were allowed to take place there. Now, not only are events taking place there because they're building a brand new football stadium, uh, you know, all all of a sudden Las Vegas is is a, a landing spot. Um, and to me, that just kind of underscores the hypocrisy of what what we've been through all these years and kind of where the NCA has no choice but to capitulate in a lot of these things. Tom, your thoughts? Well, there's there's two other variables. I know I know you're probably uh, talking about a, a different issue in terms of uh, players and endorsements and getting paid and, and, and things have that effect. But there's two other – I mean, the attendance is declining. They have to solve that. That's going to be a major issue because I think college football has been pricing itself out of uh, the, the regular fans' um, ability to pay and to attend games. That's number one. And I think the unpredictability now year to year because of the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, would would we be picking Oklahoma, you know, as a clear-cut favorite in the Big 12 if Jalen Hurts wasn't there? I don't know. But probably, but but not necessarily or not maybe as strongly as we are now. Right. So that's that's been a, a dramatic shift in my mind is that, you know, you have these key players that can move on in the transfer portal just for a year or two years, whatever, probably most instances a year. Um and they're they're major name players, right? You know, and that dramatically changes the dynamics of a football team, right? But uh, and I was go- I was going to get to this as our next issue, but let's since you brought it up, let's get into it because it is interrelated. You mentioned these things as 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 bad you know as bad things, and I, or there's a connotation. Maybe you're not doing it, but there's a connotation that this is bad for the sport. The idea that Jalen Hurts can go to Oklahoma. Uh, and make Oklahoma better, and and, and and Kelly Bryant can go to another school. That makes that makes the sport more interesting. It makes it more competitively balanced. Um, and we don't have guys that could be starting at major top ten programs sitting on the bench behind somebody who's going to win the Heisman at Alabama. Uh, I have no problem with that. I think that it enhances the game. Uh, Jersey guy, what you, I mean, do you agree, disagree? Or, I, mean, what's I, don't, I don't have a problem with it at all. But uh, Tony Tarnard talked to me about this a couple of weeks ago, and he's going to do a story sometime during the year. 
The one thing that transfer portal has, has created, though, is look at most of the, a lot of those guys who weren't necessarily playing or, or were, were fighting for playing time uh, are now gone to other schools. There's no backup quarterback. So you got all these stars. So what? Who are, who are at different schools, but who's the backup quarterback? All of a sudden, you're going to have, you might have Oklahoma and Alabama and have two freshmen playing if both the starters get hurt. And I don't think any school. Because if, if you lose a starting job, the first thing the, 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 the guy who loses his job does is pass out of the school. Uh, who cares? Why yeah, should, I, I, I why agree with you, Mark. But here's, the, but here's the thing. you can't. In other words, if you're a coach now, and I don't feel sorry for them because they get to move freely where the players don't, um, you, you can't groom a guy. Like You can't bring in a guy in, in somebody's third year as a freshman and bring somebody in as a freshman and say he's going to be our starter in two years. You can't do that anymore. Well, you know, you, you, and that's just an adjustment to the game. But well, it, just one other point, Christy, what you said, you know, uh, maybe it opens it up to more to balance. Maybe. Why are we in the, the 27th straight year of Clemson, Alabama? I mean, some things just don't change. And to me, that that's the bigger issue. I don't think there's right. enough variety. But, I, I just don't. I, right. If but we end uh, up Clemson, Alabama again, I'm going to, I'm just going to yawn. On January, whatever it is, right? But the fact that Jalen Hurts is is at Oklahoma, it gives Oklahoma a better chance to break up that, uh, you know, cabal you're talking about. And and, and I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right. We, I mean, we're still seeing the results of this, so we don't know how this is all going to play out right. over a, a you know a longer period of time. The you know, you know so the we'll other, see. Tom, the other point about you know, and, and you're right, Bobby Bowden never you know he played redshirt juniors for a lot of years. Uh, and that was his formula until until. But now guys are coming in ready to play because, uh, you know, high school coaching and these guys are, are you know spread offense ready when they get to campus. Some of them get there before they graduate high school. They are graduate early. So, uh, but but you're right. I just uh, I don't have a problem now. You know the the backside of this is it, it would happen today. Uh, this guy uh, or Tate Martell who transferred from Ohio State to Miami. Thinking he was going right. to start at Miami. Guess what? He's not starting. He's not starting. So right. now, uh, and Herb, may I bring you in on this? I think there has to be. Look, it can't be the wild, wild west. But players should get maybe an X number of you know of waivers or free moves um, in, in a certain period. Make it a six-year period or a five-year period. I, I agree that you just can't have guys moving. Uh, can, can I just jump in and say yeah. one thing to give you a, like an example of why maybe I said it in a negative sense? Uh, Rutgers had, you know, I wonder if this is going to be the future trend. Rutgers had a, has a, had a very good offense, probably the best offensive line, lineman in years, uh, starting left tackle, three-year starter. Okay, he went into the transfer portal. He's now starting. He's going to start this year for Ohio State. I mean, are, are they just going to come in, schools like the Ohio State's and Michigan, and cherry-pick the kids that they want? You know, because you can tell a kid going to the portal, uh, we'd like to take you. I mean, is that what we're trending towards? Well, I don't know. I'm t- just saying, you, and the, the, so the haves are going to get better, and the right. have-nots are going to get worse. What, not, nothing's well, nothing's changed. Know, I, I, Go ahead, Herb. I, I'm not sure I see that just yet. I mean, I, I think the other thing is that if we're talking about, you know, coaches can make changes in their uh, base, you know, coaches can go from one school to another. Why can't a player? And I think they should be able to, uh, you know, and what we're seeing so far, I mean, that's an interesting example, Luce, uh, you know, of a lineman going from Rutgers to Ohio State. By and large, what we're seeing are 
our players who are, are you know, finishing second in, in competition for quarterback at, at schools and, and they're going to other schools. And, and I think that's, that's beneficial. It helps you fill out rosters. You know, this lack of a backup quarterback, uh, you know, give me some crocodile tears. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. You know, I just think that the basic premise is that these kids should have the same freedom of movement that coaches do. And then you let the chips fall where they may. The, you know, the power, well, go ahead. Who is that? Blau? You want to... uh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh had a great idea at the Big Ten. Uh, he said that every athlete has one chance to transfer without, without uh, penalty. And then, you know, that's, I think that's a great rule. I mean, when, yeah. uh, kids can change their mind when they're 18, 19 years old. They don't like school, whatever it is. But one chance, and that's it. After that, you go for the normal procedure. So yeah. that might make things more fair. He, but, he, but he can leave, and he could take three jobs in the same time if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. sure. It's not going to make everything equal, but, it, but at it's, least it's another thing for the athletes to get. Look, here, here's one thing we always, we've always known. In, in the old days, before the 85 scholarship rule, the oh, the uh, Alabamas and the USC's and Ohio States, they signed 120 people to keep them away from everybody else. So the big schools and the big names are always going to benefit. Uh, that's why we have you know a two-tiered system of power of five versus group of five because brands count in college football more than they count in any other sport. And the brand names are what the television networks want to uh, broadcast. And uh, sorry, Middle Tennessee State, <laughs> you know, there there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and, and, and I don't think people understand that. It doesn't matter if Central Florida or maybe that's a bad example. But let's say like a Memphis or one of these teams go 11 and 0. You think ABC still doesn't want to broadcast Ohio State, Michigan, if they're both six and six? What's going to do a better rating? It's branding. And that's and that's something that you can you cannot overcome. Uh, and a lot of the little little schools are, are, are finding that out. But, uh, you know, we're in a new ball game, um, and it's interesting to me. Look what's going on in California. And it's sort of – California has a, a, a bill that is going to pass in the state of California, the Fair uh, Paid to Play Act, in which California will – it says we – you know, it is, it is illegal not to allow players to be compensated for their licensing which is against NCAA rules, but we're heading for a, a, a collision here uh, between the NCAA, this licensing issue, what players should make, and it's kind of going to be a state-by-state state thing, sort of like the gambling issue, uh, issue Tom, state-by-state uh, yep. state thing that's going to revolutionize. And So go, so go ahead. I would say well, add one more to that. Uh, the marijuana, the legalization. So I mean, hey, yeah, you can drug test a kid in California if it's illegal, if it's legal there, and say you're suspended for three games because uh, we tested you, gamma positive. It's legal. Right. I don't. I mean, that's another thing they have to sort out. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just saying that's another issue that's going to have to be dealt with because it's becoming legal in so many states. So, so what did Mark Emmert do to California? He threatened California, which is, a, is which is hilarious. Since, you know, you take, uh, granted, uh, California is not very good right now in the revenue sports, but uh, if you will, he, he was basically saying, well, we're not going to, teams from California won't be allowed to compete in NCAA championships. If Oh, really? So you're going to crown a, a different uh, water polo champion than the one that's going to win it from California? Uh, you know, it's, it's it, California is a, yeah, the fifth largest economy in the world. You're going to threaten California. Uh, this is all just obviously just bluster and 
uh, political yeah, it's grand. There's a lot of grandstanding going on until they figure this out. They get they, yeah, they, they have to. They're basically stolen for time until they can figure it out. Well, that's my point. That something's going to happen. Some, something has to be figured out because. Uh, and Tom, you brought up the, the gambling issue. Uh, how is this going to impact? We all, we've already seen it. Basically, they've conceded. They've conceded on Las Vegas and Nevada. <laughs> it's like okay, you can go there now. But how is this going to impact uh, the sport, or negatively or positively? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Again, we've had such a small sample size. It's only been legal uh, in the United States for a, a little more than a year now. So I don't know. Um, I, I know in New Jersey, you can't bet on New Jersey colleges. Uh, you know, because that's a, a small concession that they had to make. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but uh, I think a lot of it was going on anyway. To be honest <laughs> with you, I, I don't, I, I don't know that. You know, get, getting this out in the open was the worst thing because. Uh, you know, it's a, again, it's it's something that people do, right? You know, so the secret, at least it's regulated, and you feel like there's a sense of, uh, you, you know, that there's going to be a sense of fair play when it comes to this now. Yet, college, you know, in the the reason in the NFL that there are injury reports is not because the coaches are nice guys and want injury reports; it's because <laughs> right. of gambling. But yes. but college college football coaches to this day uh, continue to fight this issue. Uh, and do not release it in, you know, it's more secretive than ever. Uh, and to me, this is the big issue where if the gamblers know more than, uh, than, than we do about what's going on with the team, that could be a, a problem. But the coaches aren't going to budge on this unless they're forced to. We can't even get a depth chart from Michigan. <laughs> That's right. You know, you're asking for an injury report. Right. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely an issue. You know, the funny thing is, too, though, I remember, I'm going to say it goes back 25 years. They used to allow basketball, college basketball tournaments in Atlantic City. Yeah. So I never understood the ban on Vegas because they used to allow them regularly because I attended a few. You know, so I, yeah. I never understood that. It seemed a little hip, hypocritical, but, you know, there's a lot of that going around these days. Well, my prediction in 10 years, there'll be a the Bunny Ranch Bowl. It will be played in Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, it's like, what what problem? There's no, we have no problems with Nevada. But I think that it's – isn't it true in, uh, in, in Las Vegas – Currently, that that local teams are not on the on on the board in Vegas. No, I mean, you can't. No, they changed that. They did they change changed it? it in Vegas. Yeah, so, so you, it, it is in effect in New Jersey, but they changed it in Vegas. Yes. So you can bet on UNLV all you want or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, well, interesting. don't ask me how I know that, but I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know how you know that. Uh, anything, uh, Herbie? What do you What are you thinking going into the season? What What's is there a big uh, you know, issue out there or a big, what do you want to, uh, what are you looking forward to most? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, Tom touched on it. I mean, this business of Clemson and Alabama dominating is, it's just, it, it, it really turns off a lot of fans. And, uh, you know, you would hope that there's going to be some kind of a break there this year. I don't see it though. You know, I mean, I, I think that, you know, anybody who follows the sport sees this, two-tiered system where you've got two teams that are above <clears throat> the rest of the, the college football world, you know, there's a couple of possible candidates, you know, like Georgia who might slip in, but even Georgia, that doesn't really change the, the, the system. I mean, that's what I want to see. I want to see a way where we, we are more inclusive when we get to the college football playoff and, and stop, you know, what I've been calling, uh, you know, the, the Waffle House <laughs> invitational you know i mean let's get let's spread it around i mean let's get some teams from the rest of the country involved because i think in the long run it 
that turns off televisions and it, it just it, it makes the sport much less interesting. Well, I'm sorry. I, I yeah. agree. I'm sorry. We can't help out here in the West. It's just it's not going to happen <laughs> yet. Uh, Mark, what is there? Uh, is there a team out there that could? As as Herb called it, is there a wedge team? Somebody and not, I don't want to hear about, like you said, Georgia. That's not that's not a breakthrough. Georgia winning or even Texas breaking through is not. Is there a somebody that can come in and bust this up, uh, bust the Clemson you know, Alabama thing up? Is there? Who, give me a team. Give not, me a name. Not not real because I mean even even the teams that you consider contenders like like Oklahoma, so Oklahoma, Texas, okay. Uh, suppose Nebraska comes out of nowhere. Nebraska's got a got a history, you know, although they're from the way back in the pack now. Michigan or Michigan State, you know, they've had their chance. And so, in terms of a real safe, I don't see why. Like you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people think Memphis could go twelve and zero this year. I mean, they are, you know, they're not going to do it. I mean, so I think we can have the same same faces. I do. I mean, Urban and Lucia Wright, we're 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 dealing with the same faces. Maybe a few changes, but but it's the same neighborhood. Yeah. To me, yeah, to me too. It's more of a Clemson issue now than an Alabama. Even though Alabama's had a longer run of success, but it's more of a Clemson issue because they're so dominant in a weaker league. At least you could hold out hope that uh, that Alabama's going to get upset by LSU or or Auburn or maybe a Georgia if they play a Florida, whatever the, the given year is. I, I don't even see. That. I mean, you've seen Clemson's schedule. They yeah, but it's still it's both ways because because the the, the the bad part about that for Clemson is that they can't they can't afford a loss. Alabama yes, they can. Agree. Yeah. They're still in. If Clemson loses a game, like they almost lost to Syracuse a couple of times. I mean, if they lose a game this year, they, they're out of it. They're, they're not even being considered. No, yeah, that, that's, you know not, what, so that's not true. That Syracuse game is like week three. Uh, well, I don't think I don't think that knocks Clemson. You're going to knock Clemson out at. Eleven and one or twelve and one uh, in week three. Didn't, uh, no, I no, I, I don't see no, that. Oh, not, we're not, something not they can't state, recover but, from. But at the end of the season, they're they're they're, they're eleven and one as a loss a loss at say Syracuse or at Pittsburgh and eleven one Alabama or LSU's. If say LSU's only losses to Alabama. What are you going to pick, LSU or Clemson? No, but the Clemson's already done. They've already lost to Pitt and won a national title. They've all, they've I already done that. this. I, I, I just think that's the weakness of the league doesn't help them. Yeah, but they they what you say they let's say they lose a, a conference game, but they they but they uh, tattoo Texas A and M, uh, which finishes third in the SEC West. You think they're going to be out? No, I mean Clemson. I, 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 you can't make that statement without seeing who the competition is. Of course. What happens if it's twelve and twelve and Oregon? My my, point, my original point to this was so at least there's hope that Alabama can lose. Yeah, Clemson's probably not. I mean, as I said, if I, I looked at their schedule, even the road games, there's not a game on the road that they won't be favored by at least two touchdowns. Right. Well, you know, it's just it's. I mean, so what's? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna sleepwalk through their season. Until they get to the uh, playoffs, Tom, I, I, where's the excitement there? Tom, have you seen Alabama's schedule? For you know, Alabama at least in the past has played somebody, you know, uh, a neutral site. They'll play USC or they'll play some Virginia Tech. They played Louisville. Uh, they they have four. You know, just now, you know, they play in the SEC West. That's always going to be their calling card. But their non-conference schedule is as bad uh, as it's been in years. Um, you know, large part because Louisville kind of went off the cliff. But you know, who's right. Alabama has to win like three games. You know, they, that's the problem. These teams, they have it's like they have a three game season. They got they got three key games, and if, and two of them are usually at home. You know, and that's it. That's your whole year, and then you're in. And Alabama can certainly afford a loss, and I think Clemson can afford a loss. 
Uh, and uh, that's the frustration. Now, you know, I don't mind seeing the two best teams play at the end of the year, but getting there, like you said, is it's kind of what college football shouldn't be. It, 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 college football should be about the regular season. And uh, that's what it was in the era of the BCS, rip it all we did and, and have. But, you know, it created weekly excitement. I mean, even Tom, remember the, the years Rutgers was in it up until uh, pretty late when the the, I, the Rose Bowl almost had to pick up a phone and yeah. call Rutgers. Yeah, last game of the regular season against West Virginia when they lost the triple overtime. Yeah, but, they almost won the Big East, and he would have been 11-1 and one in either in the Rose Bowl or Orange Bowl. Yeah, I mean, the Rose Bowl. Hey, guys, I want to ask you a question, though. Let me ask you a question. If Clemson loses, Clemson can start number one preseason, probably, right? Yeah, probably. okay. That's pretty much guaranteed, right? Right. One or two at the worst, right? If Clemson loses to Alabama, Texas A&M on September 7th, whatever it is, how far do they fall in the polls? Not not out of the top ten because Texas A and M will jump to three. No, two, it's, not three. Top, it's not out of the top ten. But how far do they fall to? About eight or nine in the polls? Yeah, they probably fall to six or seven. I'd say. You it depends okay. on it. You've got to tell me the score. Tell okay, me the score. fine. fine. Now, now you you project that, and everybody else in the in the top ten, all the SEC C, C teams do well. All the teams that will be that will what between two and eight all have eleven and twelve and one seasons. How does Clemson at 12, 11 and one? Get back among those teams, and they win easily because they because they're There's so much. Oh, I don't believe. Oh, that. are you I, kidding I me? The, well, co- do, but, you the know, coaches in that room. The number of the other part of this is you're not. You, we never see more than three or four unbeaten and one loss teams right. in the, in the power you're five. Right, so. You're right. All I'm saying. So, I mean, you're not going to see eight one loss teams or unbeaten. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. No one's going to drop well, off of Clemson after a loss. They'll you, they'll drop off of, of of Central Florida in a heartbeat if they lose. Some teams have okay. no margin of error. Okay. Other other teams have. Okay. I mean, I'll, you know, it. I'm telling you, and I, and I wrote a little about this. Texas A&M will be this year the greatest four or five loss team in the history of college football because you know they'll lose to all these great teams and they'll play hard uh, and they'll be number twelve in the final poll. You know, because they play, it's it's about re- reputation and the, the you know you know who drives these the, the the selection committee. It's the the two or three coaches in there that bully everybody and say, well, we know college football, and, and the, the the question is, all right, who, who would you rather play? You know, well, you know, Clemson is everyone knows Clemson is great. So okay, okay, yeah, you think you're okay? What's it? Yeah, well, I disagree. <laughs> I, I think that's. Well, I, I, just think, I think we're, we're headed. You know, uh, my only hope is that this becomes. Uh, you, you would remember this, the 2004-2005 USC uh, situation where we thought we were ready to crown USC in 2005. I guess it's one of the greatest teams of all time. Until yeah. they they were just crushing people. Remember, until uh, they lost to Vince Young in Texas. So uh, we'll see how invincible Clemson is. It, it seems to work out sometimes that way. That the teams that we think are bound for greatness get a little hiccup. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, but Texas it, was a great team, though. I mean, I mean, Clemson. Clemson is a great team. Yeah, USC in two thousand four and five were great teams. Well, Absolutely, without question. Clemson has, you know, Clemson has done what uh, Florida State did in the nineteen nineties in in the yeah. in the same in the same conference. They were a yes. great team and a weak. The ACC. You look at all the divisional rankings, and I do. I look at these these things. The ACC have, has probably the two worst ranked divisions. 
uh, of the of the Power Five. It doesn't matter because everyone knows Clemson is great. We we have eyeballs. I can watch it. I I can see a great team, but but they they have the formula uh, that you know at least the Bowden has. You you dominate a weak league, and then everybody knows you're you're good, and you'll get the benefit of the doubt. I don't think they'll get hurt by playing a, a weaker schedule. I don't. So yeah, I would I agree with you on that one. I, I just. Uh... That's why. That's why you you wonder why some of these schools that have these hopes. Why are Texas and LSU playing so early? Right? Is that a September seventh game or something like that? Yeah. Uh, I said 14th. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and that's that's the Pac 12s problem too. Is they have all the you know, USC is when it, when it's good, it's good. But USC's opening six games, you know, nobody's going to play those games. Yeah, you know, they're it's 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 a gauntlet. I mean, they shouldn't be doing it. You know. Playing Fresno, and then they, they they play at Notre Dame. They play Washington. They play at Utah. They play, uh, you know, that's no recipe for getting back in the in the system. So, um, you know, and then you, the Oregon's will play. The Oregon's have their one shot. They play Auburn this year, just like Washington had a shot at Auburn. And if they win, uh, they'll 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 be in it for a while until they lose at Arizona State. And then, uh, but you know, it's the, the the power teams, the teams we all know. We'll get every benefit, and and part of it is because we know they're good. I mean, look, you look at it's like when Alabama and Notre Dame lined up in pregame warmups for that championship game in 2012, and we're sitting, at, I'm sitting at the Orange Bowl with my binoculars, going, "Wow, one team is really big." You know, you don't really notice it until they get on the same field together. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Like I said, as we move closer, we'll, we'll get into more of the nitty gritty of the conference and players, but I think that's probably a good, uh, a good starter podcast. And uh, we've touched on a lot of good things and we'll get to some other things later as they unfold. Sound good guys. Sounds good. All right, Tom, thanks for joining us. And you'll be, I'm sure you'll be a regular this year. We enjoy and go back to the beach. I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that too. Um, getting back to the picks. Get, oh yeah, the puck, pick, pick six will be fun. Uh, yeah, that'll be it's going to be interesting this year. So, all right. Well, thanks a lot, guys, and we'll, uh, thanks, guys. we'll catch up Take later. Care. See you later.